So last week, he finished up with the bread of life. Um, kind of left a weird taste to some of them. They didn't understand what was going on, knowing that they were uh, spiritually uh, undiscerned, uh, for they not had the spirit yet. Uh, chronologically, there were many things Jesus did before our text here. Let me give you a few of them. Uh, we know that John is uh, going to continue his letter from last week that was given by the Holy Spirit. But in between those, uh, there was things that were done. And I'll just run through a few of them. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 2 and 8, it was speaking about defilement comes from within. You remember the disciples were eating bread without washing their hands and the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, you know, why don't they wash their hands before they eat bread? You know, uh, the Bible says that these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And Mark 7, chapter 3, verse through 4 says, For the Pharisees and Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the traditions of elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Kind of reminds me of the religion I came out of, you know, cleaning the cups and all the shiny stuff, all that outward. Um, Matthew 15, verses 26 to 28. Uh, speaking of the Gentile who showed her faith, you remember when Jesus told her, you know, she came to Israel and, and not to others, and uh, she said, but even the little dogs eat the breads that fall from the table. You know, as we consider the Jewish people, we consider anybody other than Jews, dogs. But the faith that Jesus said to her, he says, and, he, and she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs from which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her and said, O oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed at that very hour. Um, remember, her daughter was sick also. And by her faith, this Gentile faith that she had in him, which is amazing if you really look at it. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 32 to 39, it was the feeding of the 4,000. Remember, there's 5,000 and there's 4,000. They're not the same. But last, in, in that chapter, there's uh, feeding of the 4,000. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 to 12, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were seeking sign from Jesus. And Jesus had told them, you know, there would be no other sign given to them but that of Jonah the prophet. And he also told them to be, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And remember they were saying, well, is it, we didn't bring no bread or what, you know. And he says, no, beware of their doctrine. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 to 28, Peter's confession when Jesus asked him, said, who, are, who, do you, who am I? And he says, you are the Son of God. You're the Christ, right? The Son of the living God. In Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 13, it was a transfiguration. I remember Jesus took uh, Peter, James, and John, the inner circle up with him up there, and Elijah and Moses appeared before him. <laughs> and it's funny because... Peter says, you know, should I go get me make a tabernacle, one for you, Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah? Which you kind of think back in Exodus when, they, when God would meet them in the tabernacle, you remember? 
uh, it's funny that he says that because I'm picturing he's thinking back at that. And with that in itself, it's amazing because you know how it shows me that uh, we can lift men above God, you know, Jesus. You know, you think about men who teach God's word and it's just like you just stand in awe, right? And you got to understand, we got to understand that it's not that man, it's Jesus' words that we should stand in awe of. And, you know, as human beings, we start to uh, pick people up and... It was kind of funny because he should have just said one for you, Jesus, not Moses and Elijah, who were men just like you and I and human beings like you and I. But that was funny. Uh, Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 to 21. The need for faith. Remember, he says, you know, we can't heal. We cannot uh, cast out this demon. And Jesus says, because of your unbelief. And he told him, you know, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. On Mark chapter 9, verse 33 to 34. It's when they came to Capernaum, and Jesus said, What was it that you disputed, disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent on the road, for they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And you guys remember that? It's like, hey, it's going to be me, it's going to be you, you know. It's, it's funny how our human nature, right? Fallen nature. And, and uh, Jesus knew what they were saying, and they were kind of shy to say what they were saying. Um, so this is a little bit of the stuff that's gone on from last chapter to the chapter we're going to get into here in between. Though John himself is going to continue from last week's study in chapter 6, finishing off with Jesus is the bread of life. Uh, these things that I explained to you right now, was uh, these things happened in the area of Tyre, Sidon, Caesarea Philippi, which is the base mountain of Hermon, Decapolis, uh, Magdala, Bethsaida. Basically, all around the Sea of uh, Galilee. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, around that area of Galilee, Jesus seemed to do most of his, did most of his uh, ministering, which is uh, it's amazing. Um, but you got to remember, uh, they're being taught stuff, and Jesus went out and started from the people teaching them the right stuff. And we're going to see is he going to start to go to the headquarters and start to uh, show them there. Um, but all along the way, Jesus is encouraging His disciples to have faith, to believe, and have sound doctrine. At work, when I train someone, you know, I explain it to them, I demonstrate it to them, I have them explain it back to me, and I have them demonstrate it to me. And this is what Jesus is doing. You know, He's kind of trying to teach these rookies here uh, ministry and how to live for Him. Um, and so it's interesting. It's, you know, they didn't get a lot of things which we understand that they didn't have the Spirit of God to be able to do those things, but I believe they understood kind of the things He was saying or else they wouldn't have stuck to Him, though they didn't have the Spirit to accomplish that. Um, so let's begin here in our text set before us today, which will be John chapter 7, verses 1 through 24. And I'm going to read through it, then we'll go over it. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourselves to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Verse 6. 
Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going yet, going up to this feast, for my time is not yet fully come. Verse 9, When Jesus had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up to the gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said he's good, others said no, on the contrary, he deceives the people. <clears throat> Verse thirteen. However, no man spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the middle and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but him, but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keeps it, keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? Verse 20, the people answered and said, You have a demon, who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work, and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. In verse 1, it says, after these things, Jesus walked into Galilee. Um, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 22 to 23, it says this, Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, his disciples, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up, and they were exceedingly sorrowful. So now, remember he went from, Cap or from last uh, chapter, He's coming either he's walking into Galilee here, um, same place where he's told the disciples that he's going to leave this earth, and they were all sorrowful, and there was many other stuff um, that they were hurting for, you know. Um, remember Peter had told him, you know, far be it from you that this should happen to you, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. Um, this is where we're at as he walked into Galilee. This is for he did not want to walk in Judea because of the Jews sought to kill him. Now Judea, you gotta understand in, in the Bible times during Jesus' time, um, basically Judah was the city of David, and Jerusalem was the capital of Judah. Uh, some of your Bibles, if you have the New uh, King James version, it says Jerusalem, which is fine. It does mean the same thing. It's just as you look at modern day maps, it all went you know to a specific thing. But here he's entering into the area of Judah. You remember when he always went up to uh, the temple, it says he always went up. So if you imagine he's walking 
through the region of Judea, and he's going to start to go up to the central headquarters here, which is uh, Jerusalem, where the temple is at. And the Bible says that he, he didn't want to go in there because they sought to kill him. John 5, verses 1 through 18 says, Therefore the Jews sought to kill him, or sought all the more to kill him, because not only did he break the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. As member at the, the pool of Bethesda, where he made the man completely whole. The man would stand at the pool, and you know, every time he tried to get up and go in, someone would jump in before him. Um, Jesus seen this, and he asked the man, do you want me made whole? And the man said, yeah, and Jesus made him whole. And then you remember Pharisees and scribes asked him, who made you heal? heal? I mean, who made you well? And he didn't know, and then he went back and then talked to Jesus, and he came back, oh, it was Jesus. So they were mad because he was doing a thing on the Sabbath, you know. You picture coming here on church on Sunday, and you see a couple or a family pulled off to the side in an accident, you know, that would be like us just passing by, I got to go to church, you know, it's that kind of thing. You know, they, were, they didn't understand really what, what uh, the Sabbath was for or their relationship with God. Now it says the Jews sought to kill him. Now we know there's a leadership, there's the Pharisees and um, the scribes and all these. This is the leadership. You know, they were always saying that Jesus, you know, testing him and seeing if it, the words were from God. And they were always testing him. So it's basically the leadership there, the Pharisees and scribes, they, they want to kill him. And, I, and, and, and much Jews also. Um... In Matthew chapter twenty-three, thirty-seven, it says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. You know, as you picture reading through the Bible and hearing all this, God just wanted to show himself to them, to love them. You know, through all the stuff that he used in the Old Testament to guide them to him. Um, and now he's on the scene Physically here, uh, they were still rejecting him because of the hardness of their heart. Their separation from God. Not only that, they had the law that was also uh, keeping them from coming to, to Jesus, you know, the outward. And they were always wanting to persecute him. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 to 12, and verse 44, it says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Verse 44, But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. As you hear those words, you know, Jesus is applying this to his life. He could easily wipe them out with one word. You remember when they came to arrest him and he spoke to them and they went back, you know. Just... You know, that voice that spoke the world into existence, you know, how hard people's hearts can be hearing the word of God. You know, Jesus, his word, he is the word and still not receiving it. You know, your heart has to be really hard. But he was loving them, you know, he knew what was going to happen. Uh, as I was talking to my wife, it's like, you know, you get in an accident. There's sometimes just a quick accident we just hit, you know, without any noticing, you know. 
But to know that you're going to crash is a different story, right? You try to brace yourself and you see yourself coming. Jesus knowing what was going to happen already. And knowing that he still loved them, which is amazing. And so in verse 2 it says, Now the feast, or the Jews' feast of tabernacle was at hand. There were about seven feasts that you can count in uh, the Old Testament. One of them was the Passover. Uh, second one was unleavened bread. Uh, the first fruits. Weeks of harvest, which Pentecost. Uh, Feast of trumpets. Day of atonement. And number seven, uh, tabernacles or booths in gathering. And these were things that they had uh, as they were going through, through the exodus, leaving Egypt. You know, that God gave them. Uh, and now, in this part of the scripture, they were to do those and to remember what He did for them. You know, they weren't uh, nothing more but to remember. You know, those pillars in your lives, you know, when God's done miracles or done something uh, fantastic in your life, sometimes we have to look back to those when you're going through the next difficult thing. They help us out to, you can remember how God he is. You know, He doesn't change. He's the same today, tomorrow, and He'll be the same uh, the next day. And this is what these things were for, you know, to remember Him. He's, imagine they were, they were in fallen nature, and God little by little started to kind of reveal Himself. Imagine when He brought the commandments. If He would have never brought the commandments, how the world would be today. You know, they were doing things that were just in fallen nature, like it was normal, which we see the world now trying to push us, push God's word out and still trying to fight for that, let us all get along kind of thing, you know. But God in His love gave the commandments to show, hey, these things are wrong. And, and you know, and then now you have something to say, oh, okay. You know, you can go up the freeway driving 100 miles an hour if there's no, if there's no uh, speed sign there, right? There's not one, hey, there's not one there. But there are speed signs and there are laws and there are things that please God and there are things that God don't like. Um, as you see the world kind of pushing all that off. But they're basically gathered here in the New Testament in three major feasts, which are unleavened bread, or the harvest, and the gathering, or the Feast of Harvest. All of the males of Israel were required to travel to, to the temple of, in Jerusalem. And you'll find all that in Exodus chapter 23, verses 14 through 19. So, you know, as you go through New Testament, you'll see these basic three. And what it is, some of them are kind of close to each other, you know, like the feast, uh, the tabernacles, and then like one day after it ends, there's another feast. So they're kind of combined together. And we know all this was speaking about Jesus Christ and who He was as we went through last week, that He's the bread of life, you know, as they were in the desert and, and God provided for them. Um, so here is it's the Feast of Tabernacles. This festival was observed by the Jews yearly for seven days. Which, it is seven days, but uh, next week um, you'll hear more about it. Because there's a great one that says the great day of feast, which is the ending. Which is about the eighth day. Uh, and you'll get to hear more of that next week. But here it was basically uh, for seven years, beginning with the 15th of the month, Tisri, which is our October. To perpetuate the memory of of the time when their ancestors left Egypt, dwelt in tents on their way through the Arabian desert for 40 years, where God guided them by day with a cloud, by night with a pillar of fire, provided quail, manna, and a water from rock, 
And you find that in Exodus chapter uh, 13, chapter 16, and chapter 17, well in the, in the desert. You know how <laughs> it's amazing how, how God works. And even now, he, wants, he provides for us, right? So nothing changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He provides for all our needs, the Bible says. But seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. In Leviticus chapter 23, verses 33 to 36, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. That's interesting, customary work. And you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly, and you shall do no customary work on it. I repeat myself, that's okay. I'm struggling wearing glasses in the computer, trying to catch up to the time. I'm old school, if you guys know. Old school. Deuteronomy 31, verses 10 to 12 says, And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, and at the time appointed in the year of release, at the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord, your God, in the place which is He chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. So also at this feast, they were... They were to, to, to read the Word, read God's law, right? And we're going to see a little bit of that later. Gather the people together, men, women, and little ones, and the stranger who is within your gates, that they may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law. And that fear is not like the one you've probably seen on the, the movie of the Ten Commandments, you know. It's a reverence for God to respect Him, knowing that He can give life and He can take life. That kind of respect, none of fearful. People don't know Him should fear. But those who don't, uh, I mean those who do, there's no fear because we know he, he gave Himself for us. He loved us. It reminds me of Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. Uh, Peter speaking, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, talking about God's Word. Though you know and are established in the present truth, yes, I think it's right, and as long as I am in this tent, tent, to stir up your to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. You know, Peter, if you think about the tabernacle back in Exodus, uh, and there's a few other ones that use it. This, speaking of our body, right? This is just a tent. This is a vessel. It's what matters is our soul and spirit. It's inside of us, right? Um, the Bible says this is not our home. We're just passing through, right? You know, we're going to put off these tents and put on the new man. You know, we're going to we're going to have that. Look forward to that supper with the Lamb, right? Um, which you can kind of look at. Uh, it was uh, last Thursday we had the communion. You know the the bread and the cup to remind us of what He's done for us on the cross. There's some religions that actually think that is the blood of Jesus, which, remember last week when it says, take of my blood and eat my flesh, that's where they're still at. You know, a lot of religions actually say that it's actually Jesus' blood. But He says, no, do this in remembrance of me. 
You know, you only need to die once. Which brings us to verse 3. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here. Go up into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe. I like this right here. Jesus had brothers. Okay? Mary was a normal woman, sinner. God chose to use her just like God chose me today to be up here. For what reason? I don't know. He knows. So, you know, it's all for his glory. Uh, but he did have brothers and sisters. You'll get that in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, which is a good tool to use for some of uh, your family members. You know, not beating them with it, but kind of showing them because, you know, all they go to church for is hear all these humming, oh, yeah, you know. And, you know, that's the Word of God. I don't know what language it is, but anyways. Um, he did have brothers and sisters. Truth. There's religions that say he doesn't. Air, lie, right? He said, is this not the carpenter? Remember, he was a carpenter, so was his, uh, his stepfather, I guess you can call him Joseph, which his real father is God. But He says, the son of Mary and brother of James, Hoses, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, and Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Um, Mark Chapter 15, verse 40 says, At the cross, Mary was, is mentioned, and she's mentioned as the mother of James, the less, and Hosis. When you read through God's Word, you know, you have to, you can't just read through it as I learn myself, and I'm learning, I'm growing. Uh, a lot of the stuff you might hear commentators say, or books, uh, you, you might get a little, you know, something tells you that doesn't seem right, you know, as you study. And I found some stuff, they didn't seem right, and, and, and I believe God showed me. Uh, some say this is John the Less of one of the disciples, which he's never called that in other places, you know, and it's never mentioned with hosts put together. So, you know, little stuff like that. I think it was, just, it was cool that God showed me that. Also, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 56, you'll see it also, the same one, but it, it, it's in a different way. It'll say James and hosts. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, his brothers become believers. Remember, they were waiting there in, in the first book of Acts, waiting uh, for the pouring of the Holy Spirit, right? And it says that Jesus, the disciples are there, and Mary and her, her, his, her sons, right? The brothers of Jesus, or his brothers. So they became believers. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 19, James mentioned, James is mentioned, um, you can write that down, look at it later. Uh, but he's considered like one of the valuable persons in the church, you know. Because I see nobody else, I think it was Paul that was speaking, I see nobody else but the Lord's brother James, you know. Um, is, is mentioned there, if you write it down, you can see it. James and Jude write epistles. Um, got the book of James, which was written by Jesus' brother James. Uh, and you got Jude, who wrote the epistle of Jude. Um, our pastor, he did an inductory uh, study to Jude, which is, 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 is very, it was a very good study. And it just 
man, just how God works, you know. I was amazed because I was just reading through all that, and I came, and Xavier just started to teach on that, and I was like, whoa, you know, wow, it's a miracle. Now it's God's word, you know, it just, we're all in one tune. That's what it's about, right? Being one, being one, one army. Uh, but the study he did was a, it was the last study of July. It was on a Sunday night service. You know, you guys recommend you get it, you, you who study the, God's word. It's it's good too to have because it goes and points out his brothers and stuff, you know, and it's good stuff to grow on, you know. Not that it's about Xavier, but we know it's about his word, and he'll tell you the same thing. Um, So we see his brothers, you know, to me when I read it, I, I get kind of a little, they're getting a little attitude here. You know, when his brother says, you know, depart from here, go up into De- to Judea, you know, that they may see the works that you're doing, you know. Aren't you the Son of God? Come on. Kind of reminds me of the devil, you know, and uh, and I believe he's behind the scene there, uh, working through these men, though they do not not know it. Just like us now, those who are not saved are sons of the devil, right? So the things that they're doing are being led by the devil, you know, coming against Christ. Us who are Christians, not that we're anything, but Christ in us is who they're persecuting. They've been trying to, to kill him every day. They probably try to kill him, you know. And it's Jesus told him, you know, it's not you that that they want to kill it's 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 him it's him who's in us so when you're living with according to god's word and being filled with his spirit uh, you will suffer persecution because of who's in you you ever been at work or a store or something and something foul comes out of somebody's mouth and they're all like oh, oh i'm sorry i'm sorry I'm sorry you know and I, a lot of times i'm like sorry for what you know and who am i you know but it's the spirit of god who convicts the people you know in your lifestyle also which is, is amazing Jesus in us, the hope of glory. And so you can see his brothers, you know, telling him, you know, uh, for no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. You know, and it tells you that for even his brothers didn't believe him. Imagine his brothers grow up with Jesus, man, Mr. Perfect. You know, that is awesome, man. I mean, they should have been really intelligent guys. I don't know why they. Maybe they were had a little envy in them, but you know, Jesus, our brother. You know, he knows everything. He's a smart guy. You know, you know how people get. You know, lift each other up. Jesus wasn't like, yeah, he is what he is. He can't do nothing about that, right? That's who he is. <laughs> and so we see here that Jesus knew what what they said. You know, what they were thinking in their heart. You know, why don't you go up there, you know, just like I said, like about Peter, you know, don't far be it from you going to the cross, Lord. Or even as Mary, you know, uh, they have no wine at the wedding. They have no wine. You know, and, and she says, what does that have to do with me? My time is not yet, right? She's like, whatever he does, you know, do whatever he says to you, do. <laughs> you know, Jesus, he was looking back to be back with the Father, right? And which our focus should be on, you know, it's amazing. He couldn't avoid Having his face uh, face set like a flint, going back to be with his father, just couldn't change that. You know, us we might wave up and down. We're here sometimes looking ahead and looking to the Lord, and sometimes we're looking somewhere else. Or, you know, but we know that we're not perfect. No excuse. We should hit that mark. But, you know, what happens? But him, it says he's, he was set like a flint. It means he was he was in it to win it, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> so here you see. Jesus was working in wisdom. 
and wisdom. Imagine, he knows what they're saying. He knows exactly what, where it's coming from in their heart. He knows exactly what they mean. They can't hide from nobody. You know, the Word of God talks about um, the sharp two-edged, pierce, uh, sharp two-edged sword pierces in part of your soul, right? Gets re- real down, deep down inside of there. You know, remember, you remember Paul when he was writing to have uh, others killed, got knocked off his horse. What came out of his mouth right away? I'm a so I'm Mr. Paul. No, what would you have me do, Lord? You know, it's amazing how people they might say, I don't know, nah, Jesus is not real. He's phony, whatever. But when they're in danger. Help me, God. Help me, Jesus. You know, all of a sudden, which is a good thing. <laughs> so we can see he was working in wisdom here. Knowledge guided. Wisdom is knowledge guided by understanding. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, it says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So he wants us to be wise in, in living our life, you know. You know, I see that guy steal something from that house. I'm not going to say nothing, you know. you know. Not that kind of... Uh, harmless kind of stuff, you know, where there's there's calls to be made, there's times to speak up. A lot of people they take that verse for being like, oh, he, he'll understand later on, you know. No, be strong in the Lord, but, you know, be wise and, and, and not harmless like a dove as far as, you know, I guess you can say wimpy or cowardly, but to have Jesus involved in that, you know, strong um, sharing with people about Jesus and sometimes, you know, Speaking truth to our brother and sister, maybe who's in sin or something, you know. But we speak to them the way we want to be speaking, spoken to. You know, not, oh, the Lord will work it out. You know, he's working out his testimony, don't worry. It's sad stuff that people come up with. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19 to 26 says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew my son or daughter let them not depart from your eyes keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble when you lie down you will not be afraid yes you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence. And will keep your foot from being caught. This is what Jesus is doing isn't it? He's looking to the Father. Getting wisdom. He's praying. There's another two we can use prayer. In Romans chapter 8 verse 26 to 28 it says. Likewise the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Wasn't He called by God to go do this? Wasn't He sent by His Father to do this? So he was trusting him to get him through. He was trusting him through prayer, through wisdom. As we should be, looking to him. You know, a lot of stuff goes on rough in our life. And a lot of people use that last part of the verse to, uh, he works all things out for good to those who love God. Um, 
good for the purpose of the gospel and reaching others, not just for like for my good, you know. My, he paid for my life. I'm no longer my own. He bought me, you know. Um, but as we seek him, you think about Paul and Peter and all these guys who went through all these uh, things while as they were ministering the gospel. Paul sitting in jail. I'm sure he said, God works all things according to his good pleasure. I know he did, you know. When Stephen was being killed on the cross, God works all things together for the good to those who love God. A lot of times I think we think as, uh, as, as Christians, it, it's going to be smooth riding, smooth sailing, you know. But remember, we're going against the tide. We're no longer flowing with the world. Uh, so he was also had patience, very valuable patience. Romans 12.12 12 says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continue steadfastly in prayer. So would you rejoice in hope, the hope that we're going to be with Him one day. Patient when all these trials and uh, tribulations or whatever might come against us. You know, people talk about you. Even to the point of other countries, uh, kids, uh, grown-ups get killed. We says to continue steadfastly in prayer. We always seen Jesus in prayer, right? He's constantly in prayer with God. He wasn't just going. He was praying, you know, guide me, Father. You know, and He was getting the wisdom. Verse 6 says, Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. <laughs> See what I'm saying? He, he kind of knew what, was, what they were saying. He knew what, where it came from and what it meant when it came from their heart. Because Jesus, you know, is telling them here, just like I told you about Mary, you know, when, she, when he tells them, you know, they have no more uh, wine or whatever. And, he, and uh, Jesus told them, My hour has not yet come which was speaking about John chapter 19, verse 28 to 30, when Jesus said, I thirst. Maybe it was at the cross. Um, and so he knew his time was at a set time, you know. Imagine God doesn't waste time, you know. He's outside of time. But Jesus, you can, I know that every minute, every second to him was valuable. You know, what shame to me, you know. I don't, do I count every second? And I, are, I know I have to work and take care of my family and all that, but where's our real focus at, you know? Uh, he knew when he was about to depart. Because he was looking to him who was outside of time, which is God, right? So he rebukes his brothers. You know, he says, Your time, <laughs> my time is not yet come. Yours is, any, or is ready any time, right? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11 to 12, A word fitly spoken in, spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. You know, sometimes when someone tells you something where it's God's where you're like, what What'd you say, bro? You know, do not judge, you know. You know, we say it with love and all that, but... He's rebuking his brothers here for telling him, you know, why don't you go? He rebukes them. It's not my time, he's telling them. And when he tells his brother, your time, well, your time is always ready. You know, Jesus, he already had that set appointed time. He knew when it was going to happen. He was looking to the Father, right? Um, human beings, even his brothers are human beings, right? In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, and it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Right? That's for all human beings, not just his brothers. 
Acts chapter 17, verse 26 to 27. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. And you know, Jesus says, I know what my time is. And he's telling his brothers, your time could be any day. No man's promised tomorrow. You know. <laughs> and that's the way it is for the world. They all, everyone has a set, a set a time already. You know, it's pre-appointed time. God knows outside of time. He sees down. He knows when that person's life began and when it's going to end. You know, and you hear all this. Uh, God came to save just a few or, you know, you were elected and the other ones weren't. They don't know God's mind. They don't. They don't have his mind as far as knowing people's uh, time of death or nothing like that. So when they say that, they make themselves God to say you're predestined, you know. As far as God's side, yes, he knows who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. But to preach that to other people is evil because then what hope are they going to have? But I know that God will speak to that every person in this world. Not one person is going to leave here without knowing the way to heaven. Verse 7 says, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. He tells them, You go up to this feast. I'm not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. Remember, I tell you about that car. You know, you've seen that accident ready to happen. He knows, he knows what's coming up. And still, he loves them. And he loves them to the end, the Bible says. Verse 9, when he had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it was in secret. So you remember all the males were, were to attend this, and so that's why his brothers are going up. You don't hear nothing about the disciples throughout this till later on, but, you know, reminds me of our walk. Each one of us, you know, whether we be, we be married you know, my walk is mine. My, wife, my wife's walk is hers. Yours is your walk. And, you know, I go through things that maybe my wife doesn't understand. And it's because my walk is with him first, you know. I go through things she might not know or, you know, or vice versa. Um, Jesus was, was actually all alone if you look at it. You know, he was by himself, though he was looking to his father. In John chapter 15, verse 18 to 21, it says, If the world hates you, you know that it hates, hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Keep yours also. But all these things... They will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. So next time someone talks about you or tries to bring stuff against you, it's not against you personally. It's coming against the Lord. You know, we take it too personally sometimes. Like, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, you got a problem, you talk to him. But like I said, as we live, that, live the life, as we abide in him, as she's shining through us as, as lights, as salt to this world, you know, we will be persecuted. In John chapter 12, verses 10 to 11, 
You remember when they uh, raised up Lazarus from the death? I mean, the, yeah, from death. Um, the Jews wanted to kill him. Why? He says, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. <laughs> he, had test, he was, he was uh, evangelizing. He didn't even know it. Uh, Lazarus, when he rose from the dead. How many people believe that Jesus is real? We have risen from the dead. We were dead in trespasses and sins, just as they were. And, you know, my family, sometimes you look at me and, you know, we're real proud of you, Frank, Pancho, you're doing good. And, you know, I'm like, my gosh, what are these people wrong with them? Oh, they're dead. You know, I want to try to share with them about Jesus, but they don't want to hear that part. You know, which is the only part that really saved me. I don't have nothing to do with this. It's I had to repent and receive him, but it's him in me. But they don't want to hear that. They just want to know that I've been out and doing. I'm a good boy. <laughs> in Galatians chapter four, verse twenty-eight to twenty-nine. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born of according to the Spirit, even so it is now. And so, I always picture, like I tell the kids, you know, if people are doing stuff and coming against people and talking madness, those are sons of the devil. You see people following the Lord and, and walking in the light, those are children of God. There's only two. You know, those two are being used for the devil. Uh, those who are unsaved are being used by the devil, though they not know it. And us who are Christians... We're being led by God and, and, and used by God for the good, right? Verse 11, Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said to him, Where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said, He's good. He's good. And others said, Nah, on the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. So, you know, that's basically what they say today. He's good. Sounds like he was a good guy. You know, real helping guy. You know. But if he's only that to them, it's not going to mean nothing. He has to be their Lord. He has to be their Savior. It says no one spoke openly for fear of the Jews. Now this Jews, fear of the Jews is basically the leadership. is the chief priests, the scribes, the elders, and the Pharisees. Right? They're, they're the leadership. They're the ones that are supposed to know God's word. They're the ones that are supposed to share with the people in the right way. And we know they didn't like it because uh, he was right on, right? And probably because they were not practicing. That's why they got convicted. You know, well, sometimes as Christians, you know, you can blow it or something or not live in the right life. And someone will tell you in a loving way, you know, who are you, brother, you know, talking to me, you know. And they get all weird. It's the Lord that convicts them, you know. So it was the priest and all the, the, the leadership that wanted to kill them. I was picturing about these guys. Uh, Jesus went to Galilee and all that area, sharing with the people. Imagine where they were getting all their stuff was was from uh, Jerusalem, right? From headquarters, they were being taught all this weird junk. Which the teaching of it was true, but the the outwardness of it, the appearance of it, was false. And so Jesus went on the outside and was teaching the people the way and showing him. And now he's going to come down to to the center here. And, and where the leadership in all the, the temple is at, you know. In John chapter 7, verse 47 to 49, it says, Then the Pharisees answered him, them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? 
But this crowd does not know the law. It's a cursed. You know, like these guys, you know, they're saying this, this, this might be God, man. This might be the Messiah here. They're accursed. Well, John, Second John chapter or 7, 2 John 7 says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. You know, you can pick any religion outside of Christ. Those are deceivers. They want to add on. Most of all these religions, they want to add on to Christ. Christianity, uh, the truth, Jesus alone. Matthew uh, 7.13 tells us to enter by the, the narrow gate. For why is the gate that leads and brought is the way that leads to destruction. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 to 21, and chapter 4, verse 1 says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. You know, you get that picture now with these uh, pastors, that they're just doing foolish stuff. You know, um, it's sad. I don't know where it was at in the Bible, I should have found it, but it talks about this, uh, God's telling this man, he goes, go, I have this hole in this, in this building, this church, in the temple, go look in that hole and see what they're doing in my church. And the stuff that was going on there was not good. Sad to say, if Jesus would go to his church <laughs> and look in those holes to see these pastors that are deceiving these people, lying to them, ripping them off, Deceiving them, proclaiming they know Christ, but in, in works deny, denying Him so much. It says, Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and who glory in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly, lowly body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved, as long for brethren, my joy and crown. He says, you know, we're going to receive crowns. He says, you are my joy. You are my crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I can't encourage you so much to be in God's word. You know, happens a little like the frog in the kettle. Little not coming to church, little not being in His Word, little not praying. It might seem okay, but in the long run, we can we find ourselves not here no more. And we've seen so many uh, brothers and sisters lately that have gone that route. Not in one day, but it, gradually. Verse 14, Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. Now, middle of the feast, it's, remember, it's about seven days to eight days. So either it took him, you know, three and a half days to get to there walking. Or maybe he was doing some ministering before he got there. <laughs> In John chapter 21, verse 25, it says, And there were also many other things that Jesus did, that if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So, you know... He entered in the middle 
of the feast, you know, where was he for those three and a half days, three days, you know? I don't know, you know, it doesn't say, but I know he was probably ministering, oh, I believe he's ministering. I know he doesn't waste time, you know, and it's funny, he says, if, he, if they were to write down everything that he did, you know, the world couldn't hold the books. But we know that he also says that, you know, the things that we have, what's in your lap right there is all we need right now. You know, that's all we need. It's sealed. Um, that they're written that we can grow by these things. Uh, so I say he went into the middle of the temple, which, you know, Jesus has to be the middle. Middle of your marriage, middle of your walk. He broke down that middle wall. He has to be that middle. In the center of your heart, your, your key, right? Your focus. And of course, he went to the temple, which we all know was a place where God would meet them. Um... You know, back in the days when they had the tabernacle, God would come down there. And, you know, little, gradually by gradually, he was trying to reveal himself to them. He didn't want to freak them out, I guess. And say, I'm God, you know. But he would do these things to meet them little by little. And the priest would go in there, by you know, tied up, had a rope around his foot. And he would go in there and, and talk to God. That's how he would meet them. Then you had the temple, which we see in Jerusalem. Um, they got destroyed. Uh, What Jesus had told him, remember the... Well, you can write these down, because I know I'm going to run out of time. Mark chapter 13, verse 1 to 2. You know, they said, Hey, teacher, look what manner of stones and buildings are here. You know, it must have been a nice building. Better than the one they have in Orange County. What is it called? Crystal Cathedral. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesus told him, you know what? Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. You know... It wasn't about the building. And we know it was destroyed. You know, remember they, were, they would always tell him, uh, you know, it took us, forget how many years, I think it was 30 years or something, 40 years, to build this and you're going to destroy it in three days and raise it up. You know, and they thought he was talking about the building, which he could have. <laughs> but he was talking about the, his body, his temple of his body. You know, um, if you look now at that place, we um, we had me and my wife had opportunity to go there. I think it was four years ago. And this is so sad, you know. You see these people. There's a piece of wall left there, and they have the men on one side, the women on one side, and they come up and they put prayers in there. Looking to that wall, you know. Even if it was a little piece of rock, they would have put that in a frame or something and try to worship that, because you know us. We're dead in trespasses, you know, that's what we do. You know, we hug statues, we trust in, in rosaries and stuff like that. And those were only for a time, God, to show that this, this is Him, you know, I'm, I'm the all in all. I'm going to be all these things to you. And it spoke of Him. Acts chapter 14, verse 11 to 12 says, This is the stone which, the, which was rejected by you builders, which, you had, become, which had become the chief cornerstone. Now, if you're in construction, you know that chief cornerstone has a big priority in the building, more than all the big rocks or whatever might be built in it. Um, it's that little stone. It says, "Nor is there any other, nor is there salvation in any other, in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved." And so they were looking at that building. He was talking about his temple of his body which we are the temple of the living Christ, not this building, it's you. He lives in you. We're to keep these bodies holy. And we know that 
Antichrist is going to come. He's going to step in the middle of the seven-year uh, peace. And in the three and a half years, he's going to break that, say that he's God and the Jews are going to run from him. You know, just amazing, man. Verse 15, And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? You know, the Jews, were, they were amazed. You know, a lot of them would say, that, you know, where did this man get these words from, you know? They were astonished at his understanding and his answers when he was a little boy at the temple talking to the priests and scribes over there. You know, they were chopping it up there with, with the Word of God, you know, and they are probably like, how old are you? How old are you? You know, you know, thinking he had to be an old man to know God's Word. <laughs> but, you know, it don't matter if you're eight years old. It's What matters is how much time are you putting in His Word to learn who your Savior is, right? So they were always amazed with Jesus, which in the Bible says in John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word is God. When he talks about letters, it's basically God's written communication, God's Word, which the scribes would, would, would share God's Word in Hebrew. They were, they were called men of letters, uh, teachers of the law. And so, you know, they know that Jesus didn't go to the scribe uh, college or the Pharisee college or none of that. Um, remember, Paul was in Acts chapter 22, verse 2 to 3, it says that Paul was, was, was taught by Gamaliel, Gamaliel, I think. Um, you know, very strict, very knowing God's word, and, and, and shame on them how they turned it into outward things, you know. But they're telling Jesus, how does he know all this stuff, you know? He didn't go to USC or UCLA, <laughs> you know. He's God. I mean, he's Jesus Christ. He's God. He's the word, you know. He's, he's our creator. And so that's what he did. He never knowing letters, but... And the thing was, he taught as, as one having authority, not as the scribes. He taught, you know, with sureness, you know, because he's sureness. The word of truth is sure. You know, not every letter, every dot, comma, everything's going to be fulfilled, you know. He says, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but he who sent me. If anyone does, wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it's from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. So doctrine, you know. Uh, if you want to write down 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, literally God breathed, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and in righteousness. And so God's Word... It's good stuff, right? And I'm probably have cut some of this short, but uh, so much, you know. I can understand how Paul taught for hours and stuff, and people fall off the ledges and stuff, and die and stuff, you know. But I know I have to be in a time here. Second um, Peter one twenty verses twenty one. If you want to write down. It says, knowing that first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So as they were writing, God, you know, God was speaking to them, they were writing down. That's why you get the whole Bible, boom, together, Old Testament, New Testament, points up. Isn't that awesome? The one who knows the beginning from the end. 
Didn't that, and it says, verse 19, Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The people answered, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? You know, like, you know, when people tell you something and try to play the part, well, you know, my little brother, he's good at that. <laughs> tries to trick me. You know, even though I was a tricker myself, and I just look at him, you know, I got you, huh? And like, no, I know what you were trying to do, you know, I'm just trying to be gracious here with you. Uh, Jesus knows what they're thinking. Um, the people answered and said, you have a demon who is seeking to kill you. Jesus answered and said, I did one work, which he did many works, and a lot of them were on the Sabbath, right? To prove that it's not all about, uh, you know, the laws. It's about loving your neighbor, loving God first and loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, that's where he fulfilled the whole law. Um, but it was that that one work they were talking about was when I talked to you earlier about the man in Bethsaida, then the pool made him whole, and then he made himself God. Jesus says, you know, I'm the son of God. And in, in Jewish culture, you say that, it better be your father. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting stuff. Um, verse 22, Moses said, Therefore you circumcise... Wait. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. Remember... Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, when he gave it to Abraham first, right? The circumcision, which was uh, the covenant that he made with him. With him. Uh, we know that it's, it's putting off this flesh, right? It's talking about the flesh, the filthiness, because as a baby, when you're a male, you know, I know, I know here in California, they do it. Um, if you don't circumcise yourself, it can be, you, you can get uh, sickness and infections and stuff. And so we do it uh, circumcised that, you know, be healthy baby. But we know here he, he made a covenant with them, and we know that it's about putting off this flesh, right? Um, if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? So, you know, they were all um, religious on the outward side. We know probably... Many times they're not inward. They thought it was all the outward work. And what a curse it is to try to think that you're going to get to heaven because you obey the commandments. Because the Bible says if you fail in one little point, you fail them all. And, you know, I think in me is it's when I got saved. I, ran, I was going through some mental uh, attacks. I was running around with my cross with, with the little man on it, running around to these churches. You know, help me. I don't know. Who's... You know, the minute I was being really attacked in my mind and... I wanted to kill myself and call the cops. And they're like, you know, why don't you have your church help you? You know, I was like, whoa, you know. And I know I, was, I finally learned after a while there was the devil, you know, just real stuff. But that law can, be, can become a curse if you try to do those things on your own. Now, as Christians, we've received the Lord. We have the Spirit. He's even raised them up even more. Where Someone where he says, not just if you commit adultery, but even if you think about it. You know, you look, you've already done it. Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit not to do those things. You know, we don't throw the commandments away because we're safe. We uphold them, right? So the other foolish people say, Oh, look, how do, how, do you, how, do you, how do you do that? You know, how do you obey these laws and stuff? You know, it's be the Spirit of God. You know, so we can point to Him. We're not saved by the law, we're saved by grace. Lest any man should boast. If not, probably Paul would be the only one saved. He was righteous after the commandments, right? Um, and so we know that all these commandments were tutors and guides. 
like I, I think about him trying to gradually wake him up. You know, my wife, uh, when she's asleep after a hard day, I come in sometimes and I open the door and, and my wife gets startled, you know. Uh, and I don't do it on purpose, but it reminds me of uh, being separated from sin and how God just in His love, His grace, and His mercy started to give them little by little, you know, trying to reach out to them, wake them up out of this deadness, give them commandments, you know, things that would point to Him. And then here coming on the scene and they're still not understanding it. Gracious God. Uh, so the circumcision, we know, is, it's, it's all about putting off the flesh and all. It's not all laws and stuff, and it's by God's Spirit. It says, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men but from God. And you'll find that in Romans chapter 2, verses 25 to 29. You could also find some more in uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. And so he goes on uh, to say, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So there he's always right there. He's telling, you know, he's not telling not to judge, because if you're going to judge, judge righteously, not from the outward. You know, how many of times have I judged people on the outward? Oh, look what they're doing. I think, you know, I, I don't know about that, you know. And, and we can judge them, man, and, and, and we don't know the heart. But we are to judge, you know, even the fruit of people. You might not, people can say, I'm saved, you know, and then you see them, you know. Yeah, bro, you know, you know, saved, you know, and doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. Well, that's a fruit that he's, he's either not saved when he's, or he's saved, he's struggling, or he's not saved because you can see the fruit of what, of the outcome, you know, it's still continuing the stuff you do. You know, I can't go and drink no more because that was my thing. And when I do it, I don't feel joy. I don't feel happy. Why? Because I went to AAA. No. <laughs> It's because the Spirit of God, it grieves them. You know, when we do stuff that's against Him, it, it grieves us. You can't, I don't know, how can you practice and say you're Christian, you know? I understand you can, there's growing, you can go into these things and you really understand. Like I did, I had all these rules of, of, of Catholicism when I first got saved. But once you get into God's Word, you're going to know what, what's of Him and what's not. You know, and what grieves Him, you know, if you're not having fun, I don't see how you can continue. And you hear about these pastors doing that stuff and <clears throat> people fornicating and all kinds of stuff. How, how can you say you're saved? Isn't the Spirit of God grieve you? Are you grieving the Holy Spirit? What is going on, right? And I'm going to finish right here. So they evidently were judging him on the outward. Oh, he's healing someone on the Sabbath. But they didn't know in his heart. He, was, he loved that man. He wanted that man to be made whole. You know, it wasn't about going to the church that day or being on time. It was about helping my fellow brother, you know. You know, and it's, it's for us, you can, like I picture it, it's coming to church on Sundays, you know. If you see someone hurt or something, would you keep going or would you stop and help them out? We can become religious, you know. We can come to church every Sunday. We can read our Bible every day, but it has to be a joy in it, not a, just a practice, you know. Has to be that joy when you like when you first got saved, man. You oh look what that's whoa, you know, you want to tell people, you know. That should be till from here till we're out of here. But we know as things in the world can corrupt uh, come in our lives and try to hey shh, shh, you know, call you off to the other side, you know, as you're going straight. Hey over here, you know. So he said, don't judge just by appearance, but judge righteous judgment. And you know, you've heard we've to make judgments, you know, and <clears throat> 
And thank God for the men who, who, who are in His Word that can, can do that in, in us. Let me just finish with this one. And I finish. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 to 16 says, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 13 to 16. Now we have received the spirit of, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that we have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. So being, being in God's Word, you, you can call... Oh, that teacher's been teaching that for like a year now. Then that's wrong. He's probably not saved. Probably fleecing the flock. You know, you can make calls. You have God's word. It's Him making the calls, actually, if, if you're going by His word. And so, um, again, they just continue to reject Him. Jesus has about six months left to the cross. And the battle's getting heated. You know, He's now here in, 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 in the center here where all the stuff goes on. You know, all the religious leaders are at. And Jesus continued to be like a flint, sit at his, to his father, to be back with his father. You know, let's pray. Dear Father, we come before you, Lord, and we just thank you, Father, uh, for your word, Lord. Man, Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace, Lord, in our lives and, and saving us and giving us opportunities, Lord. May, they might have been 50, they might have been two, Lord. But Lord, thank you that you allowed us to receive you, Lord. And to forgive us for all our filthiness and unrighteousness, Lord. And Father, I pray if there's any in here today, Lord, who does not know you, Lord. Who might be in a religion, but not in a relationship. Who are trying to fulfill all those commandments, Lord. And not to trust in the one who fulfilled it on the cross, Lord. That, Father, you would save them today. Father, you would open their eyes, Father, as they heard your word today. And for us, Lord... You would help us to be excited about your word. Help us to abide in you, Lord. Help it not to become religious to us, but a joy each day, Lord, to be able to speak to, you, speak with you and hear from you, Lord, and share with others about you. In Jesus' name, amen.